Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. in a second, the second week of our series, looking at how the Holy Spirit is a gift to us, who the Holy Spirit is, how he empowers us, and what it is to live life with his presence, this gift, the presence of God. And last week we started the series right at the beginning of Genesis, because the presence of the Holy Spirit can be traced throughout the whole Bible. We were at creation last week, this week we're at the end of the book of Genesis with a man called Joseph. But as we always say, we're not just looking at what the Holy Spirit meant for Joseph when he was alive but because the Bible is the living and active word of God we can actually see what we can learn from the life of Joseph so that we know what it is to live lives empowered with the Holy Spirit and today we're specifically looking at how the Holy Spirit empowered Joseph with wisdom and what that means is to how we can live lives filled with wisdom as we walk into this new year. The story of Joseph can be found in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. We're not going to read all 13 chapters today. I'm going to try and give it in a nutshell, although it's a big nutshell because it's a big story. But we first meet Joseph when he's 17. He's the grand, um, great-grandson of Abraham, the son of jo- Jacob. He's the favourite of Jacob's 12 sons. He's favoured He's treated differently to everyone else, so much so that we're told that his brothers hated him. And at some point when he was 17, Joseph had these dreams about his family that they were going to be bowing down to him. And you can imagine this was the last straw for his brothers, it seems. So much so that one day when they were out working and Joseph had come to see them, they saw him approaching and they plotted to kill him. They had had enough of him and his dreams and all that that meant. They actually ended up not killing him, but selling him. They sold him to Ishmaelite slave traders and pretended to his dad that he was dead. I mean, this is human trafficking in effect. This wasn't just a bad day for Joseph, a blip in his story. This changed everything. His family sold him to slave traders who took him to Egypt, where he was then sold into the household of Pharaoh to Potiphar, um, one of the Pharaoh's top commanders. He was actually taken into the household of Potiphar. Potiphar was so impressed um, with him that he put him in charge of his whole household. Potiphar's wife also took a liking with him, tried to sleep with him. Joseph refused, um, tried to run away, left his robe in the process, which Potiphar's wife then used to accuse him of trying to sleep with her. Joseph was imprisoned. In prison, 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 he actually ended up being put in charge of the prison quarters where he was. And one day, two other men were thrown into prison with him. They were the cupbearer and the baker of the Pharaoh. They'd done something to upset the Pharaoh and they were thrown into prison. And Joseph sees them one day looking troubled and he goes over to ask if they're okay. And they tell him about these dreams that they have had. And Joseph, with the wisdom of God, interprets these dreams for them. And the dreams come true. The people, the two men are released from prison and Joseph says to the cupbearer as he's on his way out, remember me, speak to me of the Pharaoh that I too can be released. The cupbearer forgot about Joseph until two years later, the Pharaoh himself has two dreams that he can't understand. 
He gathers all his wise men together. No one knows what they mean. And then the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And he tells the Pharaoh, there was a Hebrew man who I was in prison with who interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret this. So Pharaoh summons Joseph. Joseph is brought before the Pharaoh. He interprets the Pharaoh's two dreams, telling him that there's going to be seven years of plenty and abundance in the land of Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of famine in that area. And they needed to appoint someone that could actually manage this so that what can be collected from the years of abundance would see them through in the years of famine. Joseph, and Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be this man who makes him the governor of Egypt, second only in command to himself. That all happens, the seven years of abundance and then the seven years of famine. And during this time of famine, Egypt is not able to only sustain itself but also neighbouring countries so much so that one day his brothers come they'd heard that there was grain in Egypt and they'd come to buy some Joseph recognises his brother his brothers they do not know who he is but they bow before him as governor of Egypt <clears throat> excuse me Eventually, after a few comings and goings that you can read about, he tells them who he is. They are shocked and they are terrified. Joseph weeps at the gravity of this moment as we find him as governor of Egypt with his brothers who had sold him into slavery all those years previously. But Joseph speaks kindly to his brothers telling them that they are forgiven and that there is nothing to fear and he sends for his dad um, to bring the whole extended family about 70 people in all and they settle in Egypt where they and their descendants are cared for as long as Joseph is alive. What a life this wasn't just a neat tied up bow at the end of a story. This is, this is a life full of so much lived, experienced, of ups and downs. What a roller coaster ride. And all that I've just mentioned here are the events of Joseph's life. In a way, they are the external circumstances, but they aren't we're not just looking at his circumstances today. They're framing his life. We see God in them. But there was also so much happening internally in Joseph. And when we bring these two together, the external and the internal, we, internal, we see the Holy Spirit empowering Joseph with wisdom, even through his most harrowing times. It can almost see this, um, the balance of the two as Joseph names one of his son, sons a name that means fruitful in the land of my suffering. There is a key sentence that comes up again and again in Joseph's story that gives us insight to how the Holy Spirit empowered him and it's this, the Lord was with Joseph. We're told the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And then we're told while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. And then we read that Pharaoh asked his wise men, can anyone find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. And Pharaoh said to, said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, talking about the interpretation of his dreams, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. 
And this phrase that he, that Pharaoh used, the spirit of God, it, it means in Hebrew, the breath of God. It's the same phrase that we find in creation that Liam talked about last week, the, the breath of God that spoke creation into being, the spirit of God full of wisdom that was present at creation, bringing order out of chaos. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was full of the Holy Spirit and so he was full of wisdom. That was the defining mark of the presence of God in Joseph's life. This is the first time that we're told that someone is full of the Spirit of God in this way and, it, and it's for wisdom. Isn't that amazing that this creative force of wisdom is the gift that the Holy Spirit can bring into our lives. Wisdom is always doing what it did in creation. It's this creative ability to bring life out of emptiness, to bring fruitfulness from formlessness. And where God's people are filled with his presence, his breath, there is wisdom for us to bring order and beauty and chaos to this world as it was intended. Wisdom is skilled living. Like There's so much that we could say about wisdom today. In the Bible, it's used in reference to the skills of artists and seamen and craftspeople and administrators, people who are skilled and gifted in creating, crafting, sustaining things of beauty and of worth. And throughout the Bible, this image of wisdom is built upon as an understanding that godly wisdom is for skilled living, creating and crafting lives of beauty and all that is good. If I were to give each of us this morning a lump of marble and told us to sculpt figureheads of ourselves, some of us may know exactly what to do, but most of us, I would imagine, wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> we would need to understand the marble, we would need to know what tools to use, we would need to know how to use the tools, when to chip, where, what to craft, where and so on. And we could have spent so much time beforehand reading and building up our knowledge of how to chisel figureheads out of marble. We could have learned a lot. But until we applied that knowledge until we've allowed that knowledge to become skill and it's become crafted and honed with layers of experience. We would probably either just sit and look at this clump of marble, whatever it's called, and be immobilized and not know what to do. Or we might just crash on in and destroy the whole thing, smashing it to pieces. There is a wisdom from God that isn't meant to just be knowledge, but applied knowledge, understanding and insight. So we don't just sit and look at life, the events of our own lives, the events of the world around us and sit there immobilized, not knowing what we can actually do or how to do it, or that we just crash on into places and actually smash things up in ways that they were never meant to be. But instead, we grow in being skilled craftspeople with our lives and the world that we've been stewarded with. We're not perfect. We are never going to get it 100% right. But we can learn, we can see, we can grow, we can mature, we become, can become richer. And so just as people around Joseph were blessed because of Joseph, 
those around us can be blessed, not because of us, but because of the presence of God gifting us with wisdom to bless us and the world around us. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit is expansive, it's deep, it changes us. We see throughout the Old Testament that the Spirit of God was given to particular people at certain times for them to lead others well. Joseph is the first of these people and he wasn't perfect. <laughs> there were some decisions that he made that we might question, that we might not understand. No one in the Bible is perfect except Jesus. And we're told that he is the wisdom of God. And we're not just looking at Joseph as a man today, because the fact is that since Jesus was on earth and since he actually left his church, anyone who chooses to be part of his family, he actually left us the gift of the spirit. So it's not just for a few people today, but it's for every single one of us who actually says, oh, I wanna be filled with this Holy Spirit. It means that we're filled with wisdom. We're filled with the wisdom that created and ordered the world. We're filled with the wisdom to sustain and empower and bless, to become skilled at living well. And there's so much we could say about wisdom today. I'm so grateful for wisdom. I think it is the most incredible gift. But there's one thing that I just want to draw our attention to that we're going to look at in two ways. And that is this, that wisdom taught Joseph to trust God. And if there's anything I think I could say to us as we walk into 2021, it's trust God. And there's these chapters in the book of Proverbs that speak all about wisdom, that talk about go after wisdom, like give you everything to grow in wisdom. And in the middle of these chapters, there's these two verses in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six that say this, trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding. Submit to him in everything that you do and he will direct your paths. As we trust him, as we see that Joseph did, this creative brilliance of wisdom doesn't mean that life is going to work out exactly as we see it to be. It doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect or that we are going to have everything, that we're going to have all the answers that we're going to look for, but it does mean that our paths can be directed. It does mean that we will know the presence of God leading us, guiding us, keeping us in peace, increasing our fruitfulness, opening our imagination, helping us to live as God intended for us to. So what does this look like to things, how of just what I think we can draw from this story of what it looks like to trust God as we look at the life of Joseph. Trust God with dreams. Dreams, desires, hopes, prayers, they're, they're all ways that God can speak to us. If we're imagining a future, we're getting a sense of who we are, of how we're meant to live, of what we can do, how we can contribute to this world. It is a good thing to desire and to dream, to pursue what is in our hearts. When we first meet Joseph as a teenager, he'd been spoiled and favoured and we probably shouldn't be surprised that he'd shared his dream of his brothers bowing down to him with his brothers there and then. And when he did, his brothers made fun of him and they called him the dreamer and not as a compliment. And when the life of Joseph went on, it might have been so easy for actually Joseph to turn that back on himself and scorn himself in a way with 
I'm just the dreamer. A dreamer can be described as often as people with improbable dreams that have no sense of reality. It could have been easy for Joseph to dismiss um, himself, but instead when we find him in prison, we find we don't know how he held on to that original dream, but we find someone who hadn't given up on dreams. When the cupbearer and the baker came to him, Joseph didn't tell them, oh, I used to be a dreamer once. What good are dreams? There's, a, you know, there's no point to them whatsoever, but no. He doesn't sit there thinking my dreams are so out of reach, I'm stuck in prison. He actually sees beyond himself, goes over to these two men, declares to them, I can't help you. But he says to them, God will interpret your dreams. Joseph knew it was about the wisdom of God. Jo Joseph knew that men and women might have dreams, but it is heavenly wisdom that accompanies them, that helps us to live them well. And when Joseph is brought before the Pharaoh himself, Joseph, Pharaoh asks Joseph to interpret the dreams and Joseph recognizes the presence of God in his life and says, it's not me. I cannot interpret these dreams, but God can. It's this match made in heaven. We get a glimpse of what life might look like, what is in our hearts when we dream. And then we are equipped and skilled with the wisdom of God as we live these out. Entrusting our dreams back to God is the beginning of this process. He is then able to breathe life into them as he imagines. When we trust our dreams to God, we remain dreamers. <laughs> that is not a derogatory term. Dreamers with holy imagination about how we can bring the creative forces of wisdom into our families, our business, our street, our work, our projects. We say, stay free to serve others. If there are dreams or hopes or prayers that we're praying that we believe are from God, that we are yet to see come to pass, what might it look like again for us to entrust these dreams back to God? Might there be ways that he is asking us to serve others, to serve the dream so that we can actually be interpreting the wisdom of God? Have we given up on our dreams and God is actually inviting us to dream again, to be dreamers with holy imagination and trust God with our day to day. Joseph saw his dream of his brothers bowing down to him. What he didn't see was slavery, imprisonment and famine. And yet, he came through and out of all of those things with the presence of God. Maybe you feel a bit like Joseph today. When Joseph had his original dream, he was right next to his brothers. Maybe he imagined that that night at dinner, they were gonna bow down to him. Maybe it seemed like your dreams were so close. Maybe at the beginning of 2020, you had all these ideas of how the year could pan out. And then, coronavirus hit, the pandemic hit, we've entered another year of lockdown and it seems like rather than being right next to our dreams, we actually feel like we're in Egypt and we're so far away from them. For some of us over this last year, there has been deep grief, there has been exhaustion, there has been weariness, there's been confusion, there's been loneliness. 
The wisdom of God isn't simply for those that looks like life works out exactly as they want it to. In fact, I can't find out anyone in the Bible whose life works out exactly as they imagined it to. The wisdom of God is meant for our day to day. Wisdom in the secret place will sustain us in the public places. There's actually a treasure and a beauty to be found in these times when we can't answer every question, when we don't know exactly how things are gonna work out, but when we can hold the dreams in our hearts and live in the day to day. This is the wisdom I think that we are gifted to live in this tension of being in today. God, what do you have for me today? How do you want to um, skill me in living well today? And actually, how do I trust you with everything that is to come, even when it doesn't make sense? Wisdom doesn't ask us to stop critical thinking or to wrestle with questions. I think it actually invites us to stop settling for surface answers, to allow God to actually form us into our truer and truer selves. If any of us have ever done any kind of challenge, we know that there is a process. I climbed a mountain that was 19,000 feet and it seemed like some days we were like we were never going to get there. There was days when it was so high that the um, fog had hidden it. We couldn't see the top anymore. And yet we trusted the guides who were leading us, who were just kept saying slowly, slowly, one foot in front of the other. And they led us to the place that they had us. And sometimes I imagine wisdom like this. When we can't see with our physical eyes, wisdom is guiding us day by day. It's giving us a perspective that is beyond ours. So just like Joseph, we may go through, well, we will, because we're told that we will. We're told that we will encounter trouble, but we're also told that the presence of God will never leave us. The presence of God that was with Joseph with him in his days of slavery and imprisonment and famine was the wisdom of God that helped sustain him through those times so that when he came out of the secret place, he was actually able to lead a whole nation a whole nation that, as I said, even if we don't understand every decision made, these people declared that Joseph had saved them. And when jo Joseph's father died, his brothers somehow were still terrified of him. There was still something within them that thought Joseph might now go for us. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph knew that the wisdom of God helped him see that he wasn't God. Am I in the place of God? None of us are. But as we walk into this new year, as we head into 2021, the Lord is with us. He is with us to dream and have holy imagination of how we can serve those around us, of how we can craft lives that are lived well. And he is with us in the secret places of the day today, shaping, honing, leading, guarding and guiding us so that we too can actually say, this may not be as I imagined. There has been times of suffering and pain but I too have been fruitful through this suffering because of the presence of the wisdom of God. 
Maybe we could just spend some time this week thinking about, God, what might it look like for me to trust you with the dreams and with the day to day? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.